Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Spectres, welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here with Sam Butt, my, uh, why are you being called Sam Butt in the chat, Sam? That that might be because I have recently implemented uh, Butts Bot into my streams on <laughs> Twitch. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you've got some new toys you've been playing with on your streams. So, um, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. But that's awesome. Welcome back to the show. Sam, today we've been talking medical stuff. Today we are talking about diseases. Space Yay. diseases. <laughs> It's going to be an exciting episode. We're always excited to talk about pestilence and disease. Mm -hmm. Everybody's favorite topic of conversation for the last few years. Yes, we're not worn out from this at all. No, Um, no. But we're going to talk about it. Space disease. If you're listening, then you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so thank you for listening. Um, Okay, so, but we took a little break for the holidays. We actually, this episode's a little bit late. We had to push it back, which means you're getting an episode uh, when you're listening to this now, and then another one in just a little while. So congratulations, extra bonus episodes. Um, Okay, so let's, uh, everybody's favorite topic of disease, where do we start? Well, to be honest, I'm not sure because there's so many diseases listed in the Mass Effect lore and with they are of varying degrees and and of depth to their explanations. So 
I mean, everything from things that are quite well documented and explained like Keppel syndrome to the uh, Thunawanuro megafluenza. Say that. Wait, say that again. Thunawanuro. That's megafluenza. You practiced this. You, uh, yeah. Um, okay. So, but these are like weird alien space diseases that can kill humans. Well, first let's talk about humans. I'm pretty fond of them anyway. I don't really like people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why are we? Must have been awful. I mean, think about it. Think about it. We play Mass Effect. We're romancing all the aliens. We know everybody romances the aliens more than the humans. Most of our audience probably likes the aliens more than humans, also. So, there are more aliens than humans. That's true. I'm not alone in this. Um, All right, so let's dive into humans. Uh, What? So, okay. So what real world disorders and illnesses are, are there still in this future timeline? Rolex syndrome. So this is the condition that Joker deals with that causes him to easily break bones. Uh, This exists in real life, which I was surprised to find out because I, I never heard it called Rolex syndrome. It's more often called brittle bone disease uh, or for those medically inclined, Osteogenesis imperfecta. Um, That's the fancy Latin one. Also the way that you conjure it while also conjuring demons. (laughs) Yeah, you got to stand in a circle (laughs) of like orthopedic docs. (laughs) And a few bones. chanting. Like a skeleton on on one of those little hangy things like you see at the doctor's office. And then like some bones and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. a group of genetic disorders, actually, not just one. There's there's 19 different disorders that lead to the same outcome, which is the bones being easily fractured. And after reading some about how it impacts people in our own world, Joker's case seems to be rather mild. I got to be honest. Um, I won't go into the details, uh, the gruesome details about how how truly uh, impacts people in our world. Uh, If you're curious about that, you can look that up. But Let's just put it that Joker's uh, Joker's situation seems to be if he does have Rolex syndrome, that uh, he's he it could he could be much worse off. Uh, But it's still certainly a struggle that Joker has had to overcome. And, you know, it's it's colored all of these parts of his persona Uh, in the games. He kind of has a chip on his shoulder about not being able to do the same things that other Alliance personnel would do. Yeah. but he's still the best damn pilot in the fleet. So, and um, his condition of easily breaking bones is not uh, in the way of that at all, because that's not how piloting works in uh, Mass Effect. Mm. It's, this is a condition that humans can be born with, and it's characterized by differing qualities and quantities of collagen production uh, in the body. So in some cases, people can even have a blue tinted sclera, which is the white part of your eyeball. Wow. Uh, I, I went back to see if Joker has this, uh, but I couldn't I couldn't find it. And I don't think that he does. I've never noticed it either. Yeah, it would be a very, very subtle, um, a very subtle thing to throw in there, uh, which I don't think they would be inclined to do. Um, and perhaps, you know, because it's genetic uh, only humans are affected by Vrolic syndrome. At least that's what what's mentioned in Mass Effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and sadly, if Joker has it in Mass Effect, then that means that they haven't cured it by 2183, right? So, but that can change in a post Mass Effect Three galaxy. 
either through the synthesis ending, you know, where all organics combine with robots and then maybe it's not a thing anymore. Um, or if, if, if you chose destroy, uh, or control, then the galaxy isn't really governed by the same laws that dictated what kind of genetic manipulation would be legal or ethical. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that one, I feel like we've all played the game. We're pretty familiar with Joker and his condition. What other real world diseases are there? Regrettably, it seems Alzheimer's is still affecting people in the galaxy, uh, at least in the decades preceding Mass Effect 1. And I think most of us know Alzheimer's is a degenerative neural disease that progresses from the loss of memory to other more important brain functions. Um, But the reason we know that this is present in the Milky Way in the game is because of the Mass Effect 2 DLC that gave us Kasumi. So this is kind of an unlikely connection here because it's all tied into the introduction of something called gray boxes. Mm -hmm. The gray boxes, if you remember, are these little devices that can store memories or more accurately, as the lore puts it, they are mnemonic neural recall stimulators. (laughs) Very sci-fi. Yeah. And they were originally developed to slow the the progression of Alzheimer's. Yeah, so... I mean, that's interesting. Uh, this is this is interesting, interesting topic. My wife runs a research lab. She actually has her own lab at a university and they do research on brains and the way brains work and Alzheimer's and other diseases as well. Um, so I could I can imagine these kinds of potential solutions. Um, how did the how did these gray boxes work? So the gray boxes, most of the time, it seems they are implanted in people's brains. They help people remember things by literally like acting as a protocol for parts of the brain that help you with memory, like the amygdala. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they make the amygdala chunk incoming stimuli. And when I say chunk, I mean like, like, like abstractly chunk them together into recognizable pieces so that you can know what you're bringing to your memory all in one piece. And that's according huh. to the codex. So, so it's, it's almost like it streamlines and groups like stimuli so that your brain can better process it or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that it specifically does it, and I was very impressed that they wrote this into the lore. So it takes a shape or sensation from one memory and then it ties it on to the next memory and it does it mm. with that memory. So it's like, you know, a square from one memory to a memory about a circle and then picking the circle and tying it to the next thing. So, right. Or you, you so, remember the smell of the pizza you ate like right. as a child and Alzheimer's often reduces your, your more recent recall. And so if you try to think about that pizza you ate yesterday, you're recalling the same kind of smell, but from a, a more distant memory. Exactly. It's it's helping you remember by forming this chain of links, uh, which lets the person recall it more easily. But this seems to go for devices that are located within the brain and perhaps it's intended use, mm-hmm. not the <clears throat> not the external device, this gray box we see uh, Kasumi with in the DLC loyalty mission. Um, when they are outside of the brain, 
these devices. Mm -hmm. The gray boxes are usually accessed with some kind of special reading device and you almost always need a decryption key because if you're gonna go to the lengths to lock memories away, not because you need it, but because it's, a, you know, you just wanna lock it away from people, then you're probably gonna go for the added security. Yeah, well, I could totally imagine a device that can re that you can implant memories into being highly useful. But also, if it's recalling memories that are very valuable or secret, being something to keep from other people for sure. Yeah, and I can see this uh, being a wide application. Like yeah. you would have a market in the economy for this for not just like people who are being awful spouses. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But also people who are in like high level, very high security clearance jobs where they learn a lot of things that they probably should forget when yeah. they leave government secrets or even just on a personal level, things like recalling the the actual events of that car wreck you were in so you can prove that you weren't the one at fault. Mm. <laughs> sure, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any of that stuff or would be valuable. Conveniently forgetting the events of the car wreck to prove that you were not the one at <laughs> right. fault, right? Right. Um so and you know what, since we're lore podcast and we're on the topic of gray boxes, let's go into a rabbit hole here of lore. It seems that when Synthetic Insights, the company who developed this, first released the gray boxes into the economy in 2140, Right away, people started considering them out of their intended medical use just to upgrade themselves. So hmm. just like we were talking about, you know, they may have been developed for Alzheimer's. Right. But they were immediately uh, reappropriated. Right. These are valuable in other ways, too. So let's use them that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's never happened before with inventions. Yeah. No, it happens Gee, all the time. <laughs> when has technology ever advanced before ethics could? <laughs> yeah, pretty much everything <laughs> every time um, but the reason that we know this is because the codex entry actually fucks up huh. and huh. i you know we've been doing this almost a hundred episodes now and i have really yet to find such a like an uh, a colossal mistake in the in the codex and i'm speaking in hyperbole here because it's not that big but it says that synthetic insights released this product in 2184 and says right afterwards, quote, gray boxes were hailed as a way humans could level the playing field between themselves and the Salarians, whose natural eidetic memories gave them an advantage. Mm. Um, but just real quick, did, did you say 2184 or 2140? 2140. Okay, I think you said 84. So 20, oh, did, oh, okay. 2140. I just want, I just want to be clear because <laughs> I didn't know if you were referencing something else at first. But tw 2140. Yes, indeed. 2140. <laughs> Not 2184. <laughs> Not 2184. Don't listen to me. This is my brain right now. <laughs> uh, okay, good. Everyone, um, everyone who's listening to us on their computers is like, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. 2140, it says that's when it was released. And then they were hailed as this way to level the playing field between humans and Solarians because Solarians have this photographic memory. Mm -hmm. But that can't okay. be the case if humans didn't encounter another intelligent alien race until 17 years <laughs> later in the first contact war, right. which was 2157. Right. Now, you, you could say it was released in this date and 17 years later was hailed as a way of 
like originally designed for medical reasons 17 years later was realized a way to bring humans up to par with an alien species like but it's not phrased that way i suppose yeah and i'm not like taking a phrase verbatim from the wiki right now i'm ripping this verbatim from the codex so at best i think it's it's misleading to yeah. say yeah. you know following the release in 2140 he, gray boxes were hailed as a way humans could level the playing right. field it, it sounds like that's how people responded at the date of the release rather than right. 17 years later when they realized oh this might be another use for it yeah 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 so so anyway uh checkmate ea uh you messed up in your codex <laughs> and i'm gonna be that guy mm-hmm. dear editor Last week, you put out an article and you actually said 2140 when I think you meant 2160. Yeah. Bioware, um, if you want to get back at Sam for this, you just need to hire him so that he can write more codex entries and be one of the guys writing the lore. And then when he messes up, somebody else on another podcast will point it out. I am. I'm quite the copy editor, though. Um, (laughs) And I feel like, you know, it's part of my daily job duties. So uh, I will put that out there. But... Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I I was obviously speaking facetiously. I think 2140 is just a typo. Um, so it's it was likely just meant to be 2160 or 2170. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, but how, you know, more, more from the codex. Because the implant procedure of a gray box requires the brain to irreversibly shift its workload to the machine. These bugs or attempted removal of the gray box for maintenance purposes could lead to incapacitating brain damage. Now, that makes sense. Uh, hey, Doc, I'm seeing orange and I taste like Bid- Big Bird. What? <laughs> taste like Big Bird. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you please come into the of- the, my right. office ASAP? Right. Well, also, uh, if the brain matter is getting used to being fed information in this new format and you've got that in your working in your brain for a few years and then all of a sudden it shuts off or just doesn't work as well then it's going to throw the rest of the brain for a loop because yeah. it's not going to it's going to be going okay this is how i process memory and information now and all of a sudden now it's not being fed that and you're just like you're gonna have holes in your it even mentions software bugs I, i'm just thinking about like yeah. with a hyper commercialized society like like Oh man, do you remember that one time that we went to see the movie and we were so stoned? It was so funny. <laughs> I'm trying to remember it, dude, but all I'm getting right now are like ads for Thompson's teeth. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Every time I eat pizza, I think of your mom and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> like, <laughs> you why? form some very strange right. um, Pavlovian <laughs> connections that way. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you literally operant condition yourself with a bug. But so for this reason, the codex says gray boxes soon became used only by those with a dire need for photographic memories because the risk was just too high. So makes sense. It also mentions that those with a dire need were researchers and spies. Interesting. They forgot to mention memory loss patients <laughs> or like yeah, medical patients, but OK. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, oh, well, who cares if grandma can remember what the last time she took her meds? Right. Even though this device was actually built for grandma specifically. And now we're just yeah. giving it to researchers and spies. Yeah. And I yeah. imagine with the human lifespan getting into like, you know, lucky if you reach 150, 
in Mass Effect, mm-hmm. then Alzheimer's might be an even bigger concern. Absolutely. As somebody who, like I mentioned before, is married to a spouse who researches those types of things, one of the things that the medical community understands now about diseases like Alzheimer's is not that they're new. They feel like new diseases that humanity has really stumbled on in the last few decades, right? But no, that's not the case. It's that human beings are living long enough for those diseases to become significant and are dying less of the things that used to kill us before those things would have taken root. So these diseases have been with humanity for forever. Most of the time, people just didn't live into their 80s or 90s. Mm. So we never got to the point where that's the thing that was killing us because it was always the heart attack or the stroke or the whatever, you know, uh, <laughs> bad nutrition, who knows? Mm. Right. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And probably as we keep progressing through the modern era and as life expectancies kind of plateau, that'll provide a good window of time to measure whether or not Alzheimer's is actually becoming more common. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the question about it. Is that like, yeah. Anyway. So, okay. Back to, back to mass effect stuff. Um, So on the same topic, though, this means that there could be more cybernetics just like floating around out there, like a black market of these things or whatever. Yeah. And in brains, too, you know, there could be. But in this case, (laughs) I kind of doubt it. That's because the Alliance ends up like banning the sale of them and implanting them in 2175. Now, I'm pretty sure they got this year right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) in 2175 because of an uh, an incident with an Alliance spy who went by the name Abraham Rumoy. Rumoy was actually Keiji Okuda, the Mm -hmm. lover of Kasumi Goto, and he accessed and sold classified data that according to Kasumi, those secrets could start wars and topple governments. So something you might want to put on that gray box uh, and, Mm. you know, keep out of the wrong hands, I guess. Uh, But the codex tells us that KG was almost caught, but then prosecuting attorneys couldn't use the gray box as evidence because the Alliance court system prohibits self incrimination. Oh, weird. Interesting, because it's his I memories, that which would bit of lore. Yeah, his his memories, which would incriminate him. So it's not legal. Right. Isn't that an amazing bit of lore? Because it's like it's sci fi. Right. But that is so how a lawyer would think. <laughs> Absolutely. And it ties into our you know, like the Bill of Rights. Right. Like like this is yes. modern day law into the future and how it would have to deal with things like cybernetic implants. Yeah, this is also the, the weird, we've talked about this before, this weird place where like Mass Effect starts to butt up to to being kind of cyberpunk and yeah. then and then it backs out a little bit. It's like, this is a cyberpunk dystopia kind of thing and we're not going to go quite that far. It's like whenever we hear enough about Earth lore in Mass Effect, not like the colonies or wherever or the, the Citadel, but mm-hmm. whenever we hear enough about Earth lore, like specifically shortly after and before the first contact war, it sounds hyper cyberpunk. Yeah, there were like there was like a second American Civil War. Yeah, the Statue of Liberty got blown up like, yeah, it's like they, the writers really flirting with that idea and they're like, yeah, but we don't want to quite go that far. So we have to have reasons why that got reined in or whatever. Um, yeah, it's in, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um, yeah. And and on the note of those prosecutors, by the way, as you may know, I listen to some court cases for work, uh, and mm-hmm. so I'm I'm watching a lot of like trial streams. There's a lot of argument over procedure, and I gotta say, if the prosecutors who were trying to 
who, who were trying to like level charges at KG because he stole such high level secrets that they could start wars and topple governments. Um, and those attorneys were incapable of, of actually getting a conviction because they couldn't use the gray box from KG's own mind. Those sound like some shitty prosecutors. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it seems like a way you could work around that somehow. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer, though. Um, well, cool. Well, tell you what, we need to take a quick mid-break, but then we've got more diseases to talk about. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Spit it out. Or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. I am so excited about our sponsor this week, Marvel Strike Force. I freaking love Marvel Comics. Growing up, I collected comics and the trading cards, and I've seen pretty much every Marvel movie they've made so far. So if you're into Marvel like I am, go check out Marvel Strike Force. This is a mobile squad RPG. You can collect and unlock all the different heroes. You fight against supervillains. There's a campaign. There's a blitz mode. There's an arena. There's a constantly evolving meta. And right now they're celebrating the Deadpool anniversary event. This is a mission from Strike where you log in the first time and you unlock this generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, a bunch of other items. It is absolutely the right time to jump in and try this game out. Click the link in the show notes to download it now and then use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, MAXPOOL. Don't miss out on all the free stuff and thanks again to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., as humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
That's funny. I hit the uh, coming back from the mid-break button accidentally. <laughs> so these are going to be it's flipped. It's backwards day. It's backwards day. But uh, we need to <laughs> shout out our patrons. Thank you to our patrons, including our newest patron, Cade F, for signing up on patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. And on that page, you can get access to ad-free episodes and bonus episodes and t-shirts and all sorts of awesome stuff so and even joining us on a future episode which uh things are a little bit out of order today because we're not doing this on a friday but will be the last friday of the month as usual which is the 27th so if you'd like to join us you can sign up or just stay signed up and then and then come join us. Also, we are going to shout out our Shepherd tier patrons, Kolkashins, Kiracy, Lieutenant Tosino, Shep Valkyrian, that's Spectre J, and William. And thank you to them and all 70 of our current patrons. You guys are awesome. We also normally read out a, a new review, but we don't have any new ones. So if you'd like to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show, or you can rate us on Spotify. That's helpful as well. And... Sam, what number is this episode? Uh, you're muted. It's kind of unmute. Oh, you're still muted. You're like double muted. Still, still muted. I'm still muted. There you go. Now you're back. So when I when I hit the mute button on the mixer, it muted me on on Zoom. <laughs> then, oh wow! And then vice versa. So that was confusing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm here. Um, I have a new mixer and I'm still trying to learn how to figure it out, but mm -hmm. we are at number 98. That's two away from a hundred. Cause I can, it is math. two away. And so this is the last week that I'm going to ask our listeners to respond to a survey that I've put up asking you for your favorite moments of the show. Any moment, anything that made you bust out laughing, or maybe you cried. I cried during pipe man's, <laughs> <laughs> drunken, um, drunken bagpipe rendition of Vigil, uh, anything like that. We want to hear about it because we're doing this to take a celebratory look back at those funny, moving, impactful moments that we've all shared so far for episode 100. We're going to do like an 80s style, uh, you know, yeah, best of. Montage, like a montage episode. Yes. That sounds awesome. Um, so, yeah, make sure you do that. Check it out. The link will be in the description of the show. You know, you know, it is when you listen to a podcast or look at a video, you can always hit the like, see more info and there's just more words. Do that. You'll find the link. Um, but yeah, thank you again, everybody, for being here for almost 100 episodes. That is amazing. You guys are the best. And we've got more lore to talk about. So here we go. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. It feels so weird with those backwards, but I'm just going to leave it in there and I'm not going to re-edit it. Um, all right. So w talking about like human diseases and Alzheimer's, I, I, like when you put when you proposed this episode, I totally didn't think that this is where we were going to go with it. Um, but now that we've talked about the human stuff, let's talk about diseases that affect the other races, because we're just one of many different races, right? Like we encounter the, what the plague on Omega in Mass Effect two. Um, what other, what other prominent ones are there? That's right. And we never learned too much about that plague, by the way, other than the fact that it was engineered by the collectors to try and sow division and make the humans look like bad guys because they, along with the Vorcha, were the only people who couldn't get sick by it uh, and then more easily abduct them. So to bridge that gap um, of, of human and what would we call them zoonotic diseases or like 
Xenonautic? Xeno. I think Xeno makes more. Zoo would be like animal, right? Like Xeno would be right. alien species. So Xeno diseases. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a disease from Andromeda that apparently can affect every Milky Way race. It's very ominously named TH-314. That's super weird. It's super weird that a disease in another galaxy would somehow be able to infect like maybe one or two of them like yeah they just happen to have a biology that even that's weird even on our own planet it's weird when like like bird flu jumps from birds to other animals or pigs to, right you know what I'm like even that's like very rare and maybe, weird maybe the bird flu would be so like catastrophic for the turians i don't know <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> but if, what totally. if they have like a same like seed you know the, the whole theory about like life forms being seeded from space like like the D DNA came from like a meteor that struck the earth. Mm, right. Yeah. And so what if that came from let's what if there was a planet out there that blew up and parts of it went in different directions. And so some of it landed on Earth and some of it landed over there and it had like the root of like evolution that both evolved into <laughs> birds somehow. And so their <laughs> birds are basically just more evolved versions of our birds, which eventually become Turians. And so therefore Bird have person. genetic similarities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and by the way, TH314, the name of this uh, virus. It sounds like the movie that uh, what's his face did before Star Wars, Lucas. Isn't that what do you, which George, one are you talking about? George Lucas's first film was called uh, THX1138. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if they drew inspiration from that, but I'm looking at the number 314 and I keep thinking, okay, the three, the first contact wars, alternate name, the, the you know, relay 314 incident, but also mm. you remember the in seven day teaser had that, you know, 314. Yeah. So prominently displayed. So something about the number 314 people at Bioware are psyched about right. when it comes to, it's all a it reference to, to like a biblical verse or something. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this is like Thessalonians 314. It's like Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 14. What is that? You, you keep talking. I'm going to look this up. What did that famous politician call it? Um, Corinthians 2? <laughs> <laughs> 2 Corinthians? I forget. Anyway, we don't need to give him more Okay, time. So here we go. Real quick. Here we go. Thessalonians 314. If anyone does not obey our instructions in this letter, take special note of that person so as not to associate with them so that they will be put to shame. <laughs> There you go. There you go. That's what this virus is. We don't actually know much about this specific pathophysiology of the disease. I learned that word during an episode of House, and now I'm going to use it like I'm smart. Mm -hmm. So we don't know how it affects the organs inside a host, but we ultimately know that it kills most of the infected people. But it's exceedingly rare. And no cure exists. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it happens in three stages. It's always rule of threes, right? Yeah. So in the first stage, people who are infected with it are only spreading it and they don't know it because it lies dormant and it doesn't have any symptoms. And in that stage can go on forever mm -hmm. or it can advance to stage two. Like ignorance. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't exactly. know you're ignorant, but you think you know things and then you share those things with other people and then you spread your ignorance. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so, and that can go on forever or, yeah. or it can advance to stage two advanced dumbness. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's when you act physically aggressive about how dumb you are based off of <laughs> stupid preconceptions. The, the note here says the victim becomes violently paranoid. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, so, that's actually the stage so, two. <laughs> So like he's not joking. This, this is stage two. This is actually stage two of TH314. I was making a joke, but uh, for those of you who are already well acquainted with this quest in Andromeda, you're probably already laughing. But um, so physical stressors like being awakened from cryo sleep can actually trigger stage two. Son and of it a can bitch. send them into being violently paranoid. Uh, and then. I don't really know how it reaches stage three. I guess it just does. Um, but in stage three, the disease can become very contagious through the air and then transmitting it to pretty much any species, any known species before it kills the original victim. Okay. Like ignorance. Doesn't seem like a good game plan for a virus who wants to survive, I think, because that's a very narrow window. But yeah, I mean, this is one of those things in biology is that uh, for like we were talking about viruses, right? Like there's a reason why viruses, most viruses don't kill the hosts very quickly is because it actually reduces their ability to spread because they're killing their own platform, the thing they're living on. Right. It's why things like uh, the common cold are so are so common and insidious, but yet only give us mild symptoms is that they don't kill our ho the host so that they can keep on passing from one person to another indefinitely. And that's also a reason, and I know I'm going on a tangent here, it's also a reason why the common cold is actually a selection of many, many different kinds of viruses that have all over time probably been much more deadly, but through evolutionary means have actually reduced their deadliness so that they can survive. <laughs> With our collected powers, <laughs> what was the intro to Captain Planet? <laughs> <laughs> Their powers combined. Yeah, with our powers combined, we form the common cold, a chew. Um, no, it, yeah. it sta stage three is much less of a laughing matter um, because it kills the victims always um, if it progresses to stage three. And we know about this disease because of Andromeda and a quest in it where there's a woman named Ruth Becker. She was a carrier of TH314 and she was skirted around the typical screening process in the initiative when they were first getting on the arcs by her nephew. Uh, and she ultimately made it onto Arc Hyperion. And she wakes up and realizes, realizes that she's in stage three. So she steals a shuttle and then tries to self-destruct, but she's kidnapped by the extremist Angaran faction, the Rokar. They notice that she's diseased, but they can't get infected. Yeah. So they notice she's diseased. They can't get infected. This is an ultra, ultra contagious disease for all of the Milky, race, Milky Way races. And there's no way that she would have been allowed on the initiative if they knew. And then the Rokar plot to use her as a weapon to kill off all of the Milky Way invaders. Right, right. Spread the disease. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So you can free her. You can convince her to go back into stasis until there's a cure discovered. And then that's that. Um, and it doesn't appear anyone else was infected, which is remarkable if you are contact tracing Ruth Becker <laughs> into some pretty high traffic areas. Um, but yeah, kind of remarkable. It doesn't spread that much. We don't know a lot about how it affects the organs 
uh, just that you get violently paranoid and then you die. <laughs> that's just, that's it. Well, yeah. All right. So there's another one here, which okay. I think all of our Elcor aficionados are going to love. Um, this one is very well written. It's called the Fortinbras plague. And yes, it is named after Shakespeare. Okay. So first of all, the doctor who named this is an Elcor ENT, an Elcor ENT doc. Uh, for those who don't know, that's ear, nose and throat. <laughs> and he's, he goes by the name Yorick and he is a huge fan of Shakespeare. That's awesome. Wait, wait, wait. So he chose the name? Like he chooses yes. to go by the name? He chose oh, the name yeah. Yorick. That's so funny. That, like, that would be like a human going by the name of some like Elcor writer. Playwright. Playwright. And like <laughs> loving Elcor written stuff or something. That's that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and so he even auditioned for that all Elcor cast of Hamlet that we hear about on the Citadel. Nice. Um, and according to him, he made like second fiddle to, to someone i forget who but yorick wasn't Poor his Yorick. birth name but he chose to legally rename himself because he thought his given one was plain <laughs> <laughs> i sometimes i feel like i'm not eccentric enough and maybe as i get older i need to come up with some sort of like you know i'm just really into this i'm just gonna rename myself i'm just gonna go by shabadoo because <laughs> <laughs> i just like shabadoo yeah why not <laughs> I love I love Mass Effect. I'm going to rename myself Commander Shepard. Yeah, and then get irrationally angry at anyone who doesn't call you that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. No, my first name is Commander. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> He's so Yorick here names the Fortinbras plague after the character in Hamlet because it always swarms in the end and destroys it all. Dear God. And it's it's hard to take it seriously when he's always quoting Shakespeare um, throughout this book. But it's discovered aboard the Corian Ark to Andromeda. And we learn about this through the book Mass Effect Annihilation. OK, so it's one of those external pieces of media that, you know, if you love the game series, even if you've played through it like like a hundred times, maybe you never picked up the books. So this is all new to you. But now that we've had some laughs, let me tell you about how well-written and devastating this virus is. It is the most fleshed out disease, pun intended, in any Mass Effect book, game, piece of media. I mean, you name it. This is you look, dark. You look troubled. You, fleshed, you used fleshed out in a really oh, yes. we'll, disturbing we'll way. We'll get to that. Okay. We'll, we'll get to why this virus outs the flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was artificially made from the most infectious and, and deadly diseases impacting almost every Milky Way species. So it was made by people, maybe not human people, but people, mm -hmm. and it mutates very easily. It can spread through the air and on and live on surfaces for a while. And for every person it infects about 22 to 26 more will be infected directly from them. For reference, COVID-19's Omicron subvariant BA.4 has an R0, which is how many people can get infected, of about 18.6. That makes it about as contagious as measles, which is an interesting coincidence 
because the virus here, the Fortinbras plague, was made using traits from the measles, as well as a sorry cyanophage, Keppel syndrome, a Turian disease called Titan's Tears, and the volus equivalent of chickenpox named Yoktan. Wow. Okay. Uh, so, so what are the symptoms? <laughs> and and like, what happens if someone gets gets it on the arc? And like, I mean, it's it's infecting so many different races with this weird like amalgamation of different things that affect. Like, how does it? Tell me more. This like sounds Frankenstein of yeah, or should I say Frankenstein? Frankenstein uh, of all of these different terrible viruses. <laughs> That's not a good accent. Um, <laughs> and the symptoms are roughly the same across everyone. Maybe because it's compiled from so many different races that it's so transmissible across races, uh-huh. and it has these ubiquitous symptoms. But it starts with uh, copious projectile vomiting. Wonderful. That's what the Lord tells us. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's how it starts. Mm -hmm. And then coughing, uh, fever, chills, nausea, flu-like symptoms. Uh, Man, I feel like we've heard that phrase. I just realized after saying it, I feel like we have heard collectively as a society that phrase so many times over Mm -hmm. the past two years that I have a little bit of PTSD from it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But anyway, it it turns, this is the part that's, that's weird and unique. It turns your sweat into a sweet smell. Okay. I'm not sure if that's actually something that happens in real world diseases and disorders, but I feel like that's plausible. I feel like that's familiar in a weird way. Uh, If anybody knows, Um, if anybody was a doctor out there and knows like, oh yeah, this disease does that. I feel like they're pulling that from something. It had to be. Maybe they pulled it from their ass. (laughs) (laughs) Something other than, well. (laughs) Um, I was joking because of course... (laughs) Your ass sweats a lot. Maybe they got. Uh, (laughs) God. (laughs) Anyway, okay, let's keep going. Um, So the Lord tells us it's the body. It's because the body is already beginning to start uh, consuming its own sugars to fuel the viral replication process. So, so that's just how it starts. That Mm. is how it starts, and it progresses quickly. Within a few hours, infected people start developing sores. And they are different shades of blue and they can burst open. Weird. Ew. Also, right? also weird. Um, blue sores. Okay. Blue sores. Daba dee, daba die. And then people get super violently hungry. Hmm. So it's like they get the munchies? They get super munchies. But like after super violent munchies. Like violent, like. Like punching your mom because she's standing in front of the fridge too long because you need the. You better not stand Whatever's between me and that fucking bread pudding. I tell you what. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Oh, mom, get out of the way. I just want to eat all of this stick of butter right now. <laughs> and it gets worse. Uh, that was just within a few hours that people start getting sores and then they burst open and then they're super hungry. This is a very chaotic sequence of events. Um, mm-hmm. This sounds like a first, really bad day. Right. <laughs> first, you had copious projectile vomiting and then you're like coughing and then you've got a fever and chills and nausea and then you smell sweet for no reason and then you start developing these sores of blue and then they burst and you're hungry <laughs> like yeah. what is going on yeah. here ow um, my sores give me some food ow my sores and you're coughing and vomiting yeah hopefully not at the same time that sounds explosive Ooh. um about a half day later 
<laughs> so literally like 12 hours later from onset of of virus you're start you're struggling to breathe from edemas is it pronounced edema i think so edemas swelling on your throat and chest yeah, so it gets all like yeah like they're yeah so yeah, it's on it your throat and chest and these and are swollen. like swelling rapidly yeah um and so and right before death this is how fast it progresses by the way we're talking 12 hours in and now i'm jumping to right before death mm-hmm. so right before death people start hallucinating and losing their mind and attacking other people at random and this is because of a complication from the measles whose name I can't pronounce and no one would know anyway, <laughs> uh, which causes the brain to swell inside of the skull. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard um, mm-hmm. and within a day, most people die except for some Elcor who managed to persevere because they uh, have brain cavities that are large enough compared to the size of their brains for the swelling not to kill them. Maybe it's because they have such insane ENT issues <laughs> that they somehow mitigated the the onset of the virus for a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't know. But but they ultimately, I mean this this is like a near perfect kill rate, right? Um so the deaths for the volus though are particularly gruesome. And if you're if you're like easily grossed out or triggered triggered like this is a trigger warning so you might want to skip this because it's pretty graphic. The deaths of the volus are are the worst because of the insane swelling coupled with the and the edemas and their pressurized suits, and they they effectively end up exploding into blue liquid within their suits. I kind of thought that this is where it was going. And I cannot imagine how intolerable the pain would be. Oh God, no! Yeah, no. Have you ever like? I mean, have you, have you ever been bloated because you ate something? You feel like your stomach's going to explode, or had yeah. like? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've all eaten too much. Now imagine that across your entire body times ten. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. And at, at some point, I would just hope that I get knocked out before exploding. Um, but yeah, that the deaths for the volus are really bad. Yeah. Um, so wait, do, do we know who created this? Major spoilers here. It was created by the uh, Korean Ark's own captain, Captain Ketsi Alam Vaskila Siyai. Okay. I'm sorry, Siya. Siya. Yeah. Uh, who then smuggled into this ship the virus in canisters. And Ketsi put these canisters around the cryopods of the Drell who are most outgoing because they would be the ones most likely to spread it. That's smart. But wait, why would why would the captain of the Ark want to kill everybody on the Ark? Because it wasn't meant to kill everybody. Uh, even though it almost did uh, kill everyone on the Ark, it was targeted at the Salarians, the humans, the Asari, and the Turians, all of the council races. Because if it could decimate their numbers, it would give the Koreans a higher chance of supremacy and not living out a second tier citizenship status when they finally got to the new galaxy. They would no longer be, you know, uh, cast down into the shadows of society. They wouldn't be treated like uh, like like, you know, nomads and and filthy criminals and and awful, untouchable parts of society. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't be treated like that. So that was the thinking behind this before it grew wildly out of control 
and nearly killed everyone, I think 20,000 people on the Corian arc. And the ending to that book, I won't spoil. Uh, so if you're interested in the ending to it, then go read it. Otherwise, you're going to have to wait for us to cover it in its own episode. But fun fact, Yorick's final words before succumbing to the disease are, <clears throat> With infinite grief and friendship, now cracks a noble heart. Good night, sweet prince, and flights of angels sing thee to thy rest. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Um, okay. Well, that man, that was a trip. Okay, so let's let's move on. What about <laughs> what about the disease that Thane has? Like, how rare is it? And like, we know it's not contagious. It's not. Um, and that's one of the first questions that Shepard asks as well. Like, right. do I need to quarantine you? Right. Uh, this is a genetic one that only affects the drill, including our beloved Thane, of course, who ultimately dies from it. Uh, well, unless it was my first playthrough and then I got him killed on the mission. Oh my gosh. Remember that? Yeah. Anyway. Well, I, I and he was my love you, interest at the same time. Wow. It was, it was very tragic. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's we've tragic. Talked, and we've talked about this. It was very tragic, but yeah. Okay. So if he doesn't steal a kill from Keppel syndrome, yeah. <laughs> um, essentially it prevents the hemoglobin in his blood from carrying the oxygen. And in the end stages, uh, patients suffocate. Yeah. Like from the inside, like in their blood suffocate. It, yeah, it's a little yeah. unclear. I was reading up on it. Uh, one comparison I read, you know, compared it to uh, not carrying the oxygen in the blood. Another one um, just said that it, it, it prevents Drell's lungs from properly oxygenating blood. So, right. so no matter how much they breathe the air, the oxygen in the air doesn't actually make it to the places in their body that needs it. Yeah, they're, they're being suffocated. Right. Uh, and it came from the ultimately from the Drell's mass migration to the Hanar world, which was a completely different environment. Mm -hmm. um, the longer that Drell spent in the humidity of Kaje, uh, it inexorably eroded the capacity for a Drell's lungs to take in oxygen and, and it damaged other organs in the process. And eventually, of course, that leads to death. And um, there's no cure. There's no cure for Keppel syndrome. Uh, there are scientists on Kaje, Hanar, who are working on creating a genetic adaptation, whatever that may mean. Um, but Thane tells us that, you know, even if there is a cure, it's not going to be until long after I'm gone. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and a little bit of a sad fact, uh, it is the leading cause of death for Drell on Kaje. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, couple of bonus diseases to not leave you on a very depressing note <laughs> if you didn't get enough diseases here's some more here's some more uh you remember that scale itch from mass effect 2 uh and morden brings it up just very briefly as uh -huh. a side remark in, in in conversation uh he says scale itch presented on normandy it's a sexually transmitted disease from <laughs> varin implications unpleasant <laughs> That's all we know. So someone's been having sex with Varen. Um, right. And herpes. Herpes exists in Mass Effect. You mm -hmm. might be happy to know that. Mm -hmm. There's Just a kidding. few different strands. Well, it's not that herpes. Okay. It is, I, I was teasing, it is chicken pox and shingles. Awesome. Which is terrible, by the way. 
Yeah, I hope I never have shingles, but I, I did had, have chicken pox as a child. I had shingles the, uh, the second semester of college, second year, first semester of college during finals. Whew. Yeah, it was like... That sounds hellish. Yeah, I was like, why Why do I have flu symptoms? I woke up and I was like, why do I have flu symptoms? And then like, I had like a weird little rash on my front and my back, like right at the same spot, like right in the, like the left side of my chest, almost like where your heart is. And then oh, on, the, on the back. And I was like, what the heck? And then uh, went and got it checked out. And it was like, it was shingles. Like, I guess the stress of school, like, made the virus come back. And it infected the nerves, like, right there through the middle of my body. And so I wow. I, I still get, like, like pains. As I get older, the pain's, like, yeah, like, right through the middle. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's This <laughs> is what I have to look forward to as I get older. Yeah, don't, well, don't, if you don't get, if shingles never, never manifests itself. But it mm. might. The virus is in you if you had chicken pox. It's the same virus. I did. Yeah, I had chicken pox. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I had, I had a, actually a unique case of chicken pox when I was a child. I, I got a chicken pox on my eyeball. Oh, weird. And gross. I remember it oh. hurt to sleep. I bet that was like weird and itchy and you can blink and yeah. Exactly. It, anyway. was, it hurt Ooh. to sleep. And so I'm, I'm really hoping I don't, I don't get shingles of the fucking eyes. That I sounds terrible. Think I, that seems very rare. But I don't know that that'll happen. But yeah, now that we've to- thoroughly grossed out our audience, uh, what are we doing coming up? What do we got coming okay, up Okay, so... I wanted to save the grossest for last, right? Oh, um, okay. In terms of the lore topic episodes of this subseries, so uh, on medicine, it, it gets medicine. even worse. Everybody, <laughs> no, 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 not yet, not no. Well, it will. I, I'm it saying will that the worse. diseases were the grossest uh, topic in this subseries of episodes ah, on it. medicine. Got it. Um, but we are we are potentially going to have on a, a special guest in the near future. To, to help us really recap and and seal off this subseries of episodes on the medicine of Mass Effect. Nice, nice, yeah. So if that works out, then you're going to see us with a guest on a future episode. So very cool. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. Sam, you got any other stuff going on you want to share? I do. So uh, yeah, as I had mentioned earlier, I've I've gotten a lot of new toys and tools to play with on my on my new streams. Uh, you know, I've got Buttsbot on my stream. <laughs> he occasionally pops in and mocks you and replaces one word or two in your in your uh, comment on chat with with the word butt. Um, nice. <laughs> the best one I've had so far was someone asked how the gameplay was of a game that I was playing. And, and then Buttspot says, how's the putts play? <laughs> it's, it's childish, but it's funny. Um, and so I also have the new mixer, uh, which I'm enjoying. I'm tinkering with it to try to optimize the audio. Uh, so if anyone, anyone with a very acute ear is listening today and thinks, oh, legend sounds different. That's why. But, but I, I've got that. I've got all these fun sounds sound effects on here um that i love playing on the streams uh and i think i played one even during this episode uh but Mm -hmm. i will be streaming thursdays and saturdays uh mass effect andromeda thursdays and the original trilogy with neutral shepherd on saturdays uh and you can find me on twitch and twitter at in seven the legend nice and um you can always join us for our live shows usually on fridays but today is a tuesday night over on twitch.tv slash robots radio where this show and a bunch of other of the shows i do all stream so come join us over there as well and uh, if you're looking for other podcasts about either mass effect or any other game series or other stuff at all go to robotsradio.net check out my other shows my other lore casts anything else if you're looking for more content lots of awesome stuff for you to get into over there and that's going to do it for this week thanks everybody for tuning in chat thank you for being here 
stay safe out there and try not to contract any of these diseases like scale itch or blow up into blue paste. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.